Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the Unplayable Podcast, Sam Ferris here, and on today's episode, we chat to Australia leg spinner Adam Zampa from the Aussie camp in Wellington. Welcome, Zamps. Hey, Fez. How you doing? Well, thank you, mate. Uh, bit going on over there for you guys. Uh, there's been a shift in the schedule. All games are now in Wellington. There'll be no crowds at the games. Uh, how's the Aussie team reacted to what's going on over there in New Zealand? Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one, to be honest with you. Like... Um... We started hearing whispers maybe last week about what was going on in Auckland. Um, and then we started hearing whispers about that game being moved or us going to Auckland still, which, um, you know, we were a little bit worried about going to Auckland when we first heard that. Um, and and fair enough too, with all the measures that the government in Australia has in place. So, um, yeah, we, we, we've decided that we wanted to avoid Auckland, which was great to get that um, game rescheduled here in in Wellington. Yeah, it's going to be so weird. You guys playing in front of big crowds for the first two games is going to go behind closed doors. Uh, what was it like playing in front of those crowds for the, for the first two games? A few, a few of the boys are feeling quite relieved, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, young Josh Flip, Felipe, Felipa, whatever anyone likes to call him. Yep. He, um, yeah, he's uh, feeling quite relieved now. I think he cocked it quite a bit from the, the New Zealand locals. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really enjoyable actually. Those two games, I know we were on the wrong side of them, but the um, the second one was one of the funnest games I've played in a while. You know, I love day T twenty cricket, and I love crowds that are a little bit rowdy. Um, so yeah, it was it was good fun. But unfortunately, now with the way of the world, the next three games are all behind closed doors. Yep, things can happen pretty quickly uh, in the current climate. Uh, what about the series? Australia 0-2 down, uh, got so close in that second match in Dunedin. How's your reflections on the series so far? Because it doesn't feel like you're that far away from the Kiwis. No, we're not that far away. I think um, we could almost say that we, we should have won that last game. Um, you know, when you're chasing almost 12 and over for the whole time um, and get it down to 12 and over to the last three overs, you you I think if he had to choose at the time who was going to win, it was probably going to be us, particularly with the way that Samsey and, and Stoney were hitting the ball. But um, yeah, upon reflection, I just think it's been really good to to get games into guys like Samsey and, and give him that pressure and see how how he handles it. Um, the results haven't gone our way, as I said before, but it's been a really good tour for, for that reason in particular. Um, you know, obviously, you look forward more to things like the World Cup and winning games for cricket up until then for Australia is really important. But I think it's just as important to to um, look at the bigger picture as well. Don't want to dwell on the loss too much, but I think you needed like 100 of the last six overs or, or thereabouts. Did you think the game was gone there or were you still pretty confident with Stonis and Sam's who can clear the boundary pretty comfortably out there? Um, it's going to sound ridiculous, but... When we were like 98 off six overs or 78, 
of six overs. I can't remember what it was. You might be right. It might be seventy eight or five overs. I remember yeah. looking up at the scoreboard. Um, most of the time you'd be like, "We're well and truly out of the game here," but at that ground, I, look, I think I turned to Kane Richards and I said, "I think we can still get these," particularly the way that Sam's is hitting the ball now. So um, it's one of those grounds. It was a bit of a postage stamp, I think. Um, got off the field and I kind of looked at Trent Woodhill, who's our um, fielding coach at the moment. And I said, I think this is probably par. What do you reckon? And he was like, yeah, I think it's par. It's going to be good to watch this second innings. And I was like, I hope I'm right because uh, um, it will be. But yeah, I think that score on that ground, on that wicket um, during the day, I think that's probably, that was around about par score. Yeah, you just wish you had two power surge overs at the back end to really capitalise for the for the for the run chase. How was how was Marcus Stoinis after the game? A fantastic innings from him, seven eight off just thirty seven balls, put on ninety two with with Daniel Sams. He's such a positive, optimistic guy, and he looked fairly shattered when he got out in the final over. How did he bounce back from that? Yeah, I think he's going to bounce back fine. Um, I think we just kind of had shades of that innings at Eden Park from a few years ago, and kind of the kind of the exact same ending um, from yeah. nowhere, a couple of unbelievable innings, um, you know, for Samsey to come in and help him the way that he did and almost ease the pressure of what Storney had to do was, was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, boys were, boys were pretty flat after the game, but um, yeah, I think, I think in the world and particularly the cricket world, we, we kind of see things for, for how they are and we can see the bigger picture. So the, um, you know, the, the losses, don't get quite wiped under the carpet, but, um, you know, we're just glad to be out here playing. Like, we really appreciate the the New Zealand way, how New Zealand have gone about it to the way they've played their cricket, but also the hospitality and the fact that we can get out and have a coffee and, and a beer and go to a restaurant has been um, one of the most exciting things for, for our summer so far. <laughs> Absolutely. How's uh how's Andrew McDonald been? His coaching stint for Australia's reading two losses from two starts at the moment. How's he sort of handling the group? Yeah, he's been he's been excellent. Um he's got great rapport with all the players. Um and you know, he played with a lot of us too throughout his career. So we kind of get Ronnie and um but yeah, even it's it's always the little things, but his communication is is second to none. Uh his organization is is great and I just think um, he went through a lot like basically he went through everything that we're going through at the moment as a as a young cricketer so um, yeah I don't know he's just he's a mate to a lot of guys here and um, has a lot of respect from the whole group mm. How about your own performances this series none for 21 43 how do you feel like they're coming out yeah, I think they're they're coming out okay. I um, it's you know one of one of those games, a little done for twenty in the first game. You kind of look at it as if um, yeah, you can kind of see that fourth over just fading away into the air when there's only left-handers at the back end of the innings. But um, yeah, I think that was an okay game. One of those games we can't even really review whether it was a bad game or a good game. It was just one of those little thanks for coming games. Um, come in, do your job and and get out. So, um, yeah, and then the second game, I think, um, one of those games where you can try and reflect on a lot of things, but um, it was one of those 
as a spinner, you've got to bowl defense. It's basically, you saw the way that New Zealand batted. It was basically death bowling from the 10th over onwards. So, um, yeah, once, once you got batsmen in there, they're only one down and they're on small grounds. And yeah, I think it was the first time I probably had to bowl two really big pressure death overs. Usually, I'm, you know, I'm bowling to maybe a six or a seven. Um, and I'm bowling maybe two or three death overs on, and particularly on in one day cricket, two or three death overs, and maybe in T20 cricket, I'm only bowling one death over and then on bigger grounds. So um, it was really, I, I absolutely walked off that field the other day. Um, one for 43 was irrelevant, irrelevant. I just really enjoyed the the, the challenge of it. Um, it's one of those rare occasions where every ball meant something like it was yeah it was every ball was important if you missed you were going to go the journey when you talk about defensive bowling we spoke to Ashton Agar about it last week uh, for you is it bowling faster because as, as, a, as a leg spinner you can't bowl that slow ball into the wicket you can't bowl the wide Yorker outside off stump uh, how do you go about your defensive bowling uh, it's just working out it's, it's not particularly just going to be getting faster and flatter it's probably just um trying to figure out with each player where the zone is you can get there one so if it's slower and wider to a Martin Gupta or a Kane Williamson then it's slower and wider to try and get him to reach for it get it to deep cover um, some players that might be getting in nice and tight to them to to make sure they get off strike too because it's not it's not like in our back of our minds we don't want to get wickets it's just the fact that the balls that you would usually bowl in the seventh to ninth over when teams are trying to just manipulate manipulate their way through the innings those are the balls that generally towards the back end of the innings are the ones that go the journey so yeah you just try, kind of try and figure out ways to get people off strike or just hitting the ball to zones that they're not quite comfortable yeah you got Kane Williams out again just, just just take the big wickets Sam yeah, yeah man that's it people, people are saying People were telling me the other day it was a good wrong and again. I'm like, God, I just didn't even try. I just, I just like, threw it down there and it did something. He hit it, didn't he? It was an inside edge. I don't know. People, oh, maybe. That's what I thought must have happened. Yeah, it seemed fairly, it was a strange one because it just sort of just bowled him. It was just out of the blue and then his off stump was, was gone. So anyway, take it, take it. Take it. Yeah. Take it on those, take it on those grounds. If you can get any passengers on those grounds, you take them. Well, the third T20 is going to be your 100th international game for Australia uh, after making your debut pretty much five years ago. I think it was uh, February 2016. Can you believe it's happened so quickly? 100 games in, in five years. Yeah, I don't know. it's like it's a weird one to reflect on, but it's something, um, yeah, I guess I'm pretty proud that I've been able to stay so consistent in the team for, for five years now. I think I, I actually I made my debut at Wellington as well, so it's... Mm. Um, it's going to be a nice feeling to to be back there. We haven't been able to get there the last couple of days for training just because the, they don't have the facilities there. But um, yeah, five five years. And it's kind of like when you reflect from five years ago, you probably think that you're a kid who is literally just hoping to do enough to get on the next tour maybe um, and give yourself a, a two-year career. But um, I don't know how, if that's how everyone else starts off in their, in their own mind, but it's pretty... Pretty tough being a leg spinner. Um, not many people have 
being being able to sustain it for a long period of time. So I'm, it's something that I'm a little bit proud of anyway. Yeah. How do you think you've changed as, as a bowler and a person over those five years? Um, as a bowler, I, I, a lot, yeah. I was actually watching some footage the other day of that Wellington game from, from five years ago. And my bowling is ridiculously different, like walking into bowl like I'm Shane Warne, bowling a lot slower, a shocking haircut as well, stinker. Yeah, and just I think mentally you change. Like you, you turn up to most games when you're a young guy and you feel you actually feel – I remember when I first played for Australia, I'd feel ridiculously nervous that I would have a little vomit either in the bathroom or on the field. Hopefully no one would see it, but I would used to – yeah, I used to shit my dax. So you're nervous about vomiting? No, no, I'm, ver- I'm nervous about just the game my performance and your view from that yeah yeah is that something you used to do did you used to chuck up if uh, you had a nerves I used to do it when I maybe played my first season at Adelaide Strikers okay we played it was the first year the, the ground was the way it is now and a full capacity and like we we don't, we don't play like seven or eight games a season so um, I wanted to do well there and I just remember feeling nervous and excited and all those emotions which made me do that yeah. Um, but yeah in comparison to now where you're confident in your action you're confident in your mental preparation you're confident in your training and you've actually been in so many situations since then that are going to pop up probably in this next game so um, you have the you have the mental capacity and the physical capacity to deal with it which is why the way that I looked at it like maybe something will pop up it's never happened but um, I'm experienced enough now to to deal with it so that's yeah confident confidence and experience and just all those little things that people usually say are, are definitely true it must be really tough coming into the Australian side because you want to do well straight away but very few players are equipped to perform at that level straight away so you need to get games into you uh, Nathan Lyon always thinks a great example of that because he came in and they, they've just persisted with him. That is a little blip in 2013, but since then, it, you know, he's had so much success from sticking with him. Is that something you'd like to see, not just for future spinners, but players of all types and, and makes that they get given an extended run in the team just so they can build up some of that experience and confidence and not have to worry about playing for the next tour in their first match? Yeah, definitely. I think Nathan's a perfect example. I think he probably actually copped a lot of flack and had a lot of pressure on him that probably wasn't really warranted for a guy at his age and with his experience. Like, he'd hardly played first-class cricket. So, um, he did cop a lot when he was a young guy and got that extended run. And the example is now that he's got 400 test wickets almost. So, yeah, I, I think it's... Yeah, I do think it's one of the most important things in the world. I, I remember... I'm at the, the the stage that I'm at now in my career where I feel like I can go none for 40 in a game of cricket and still feel like I'm going to play the next three or four games for my country is a much better place than when I was when I was in 2017 and I was 24 years old and I felt like I needed to get three wickets every game just to make sure I got a, a game at the next venue even though if the next venue was the Gabba or the Wacker I wasn't going to play anyway so um, it's probably a change in attitude to 
the new times of the game, T20 cricket, one day cricket, everyone wants a leg spinner compared to the 2015 World Cup where Australian team won it without any spin at all, basically. So yeah. I think it's I think that's been a great change in in mindset, particularly with the Australian selectors. Um, but yeah, in in 2017 and 2016, and um, it was very much hopefully hopefully hoping to do well in a game so that hopefully I get another game some some way along this tour. So probably not a great headspace to be in. You end up standing at the top of your mark and you're trying too much and you're thinking about the future rather than being where your feet are. It's funny because 2016 you took, you played 27 matches for Australia, took 39 wickets. You were leading one day wicket taker that year. 2017, uh, 22 matches, 38 wickets. They were your two of the most prolific years. So there you go, maybe get back into that mindset. Uh, <laughs> what about, uh, what about, was there a moment when you did feel comfortable? Was there a moment you're like, right, I've established myself. I can have a bad game and be confident that I'm going to get picked for the next match? 2019, I went to India in January feeling, I think it was January or February, and I felt like this was a huge opportunity. And if it did go really poorly, I might not go to the World Cup. So I felt I felt a little bit of pressure there, but ended up, not, no, I wasn't bowling at my best, but I ended up with wickets next to my name. And that gave me the confidence anyway to start bowling well. So I finished that tour bowling well, went to Pakistan, went to Dubai to play Pakistan and bowled really well. And yeah, I felt like that was the moment where I felt like I was going to be backed in. And Finchie and I in particular started a really good relationship around, around that. Then I, I got dropped during the World Cup, but I think... In my reflection of the World Cup, it was a different feeling. I don't know why. Maybe there's too much put on World Cups. I don't know how to put it, but it was a diff- definitely a different feeling to any other tour that I've ever been on. What, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that it, did it hurt less that you were dropped? Hurt more? Did you just... Oh, how, no, it, how hurt. Is it, different? it hurt. It hurt a shitload more getting dropped, dropped during the World Cup, but I didn't feel like... I felt like... A, for some reason, after the World Cup, I was going to start playing again anyway. Right. Don't know. So it was one of those, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what to put it down to, whether it was a change in mindset from the selection panel or if it was bloody something ridiculous like matchups or I don't know. It could have been matchups. Yeah, it was, uh, I felt like it was just, it felt really weird the whole time. And then, but I always felt like coming off the World Cup, I was going to start playing again and, get that opportunity to get a lot of games under my belt. So I think 2019, 20, 20 now into 21 have probably been the best that I've, the best bowling, bowling of my career so far. So you mean World Cups can be, you've got to win in the moment and then yeah. worry about the future, basically reset and start again and then and yeah. build up for the next one. You don't like yeah. matchups. Is, do you think matchups are, are, are an overrated sort of tactic? To an extent, they're okay, but I think choosing your your eleven on, on a matchups not. It's basically the the Nathan Lyon theory that we were talking before. If Nathan Lyon turned up to a test match and there was eleven right hand batsmen, he still deserves every chance to to prove that he can do it to eleven right hand batsmen. So, yeah, it's a, it's a similar theory. I think that you pick your best team, no matter of 
the surface or the situation or what competition it is really. And I guess one of the things that's spoken about your career has been you're a leg spinner that doesn't turn the ball a whole lot. I guess coming up, coming behind <laughs> Shane Warne and Stuart McGill, who are two of the biggest turners of the ball in Australian history, in cricket history. Uh, is that something you sort of had to, to deal with? And now that you've got all your different weapons, um, do you even think about it? No, I think about it all the time. I, I literally, it was one of the, it's one of the things that still drives me to like to get to 100 ODIs, to keep playing for Australia, to hopefully one day play test cricket, keep playing shit cricket. It's one of those things that keeps driving me because there was all these bloody, and it is one of the most like in sync. I don't know how to word it right now because it angers me to think about it, but it's stuck in my mind when I was at the academy and they put these bloody dots on you and they connect you to a machine and you have a bowl and they, they count your revs and everyone was always better. Everyone was, always had more revs and they were like, you need to work on your rev, revs, mate. Look at the rev, the, the rev per minute. They're not, they're not up hard enough. You don't spin the ball enough. And I was like, right, fuck, no worries. And anyway, the blokes that did have the high revs either aren't playing any cricket whatsoever now or they played two or three games for Australia and aren't playing cricket now or they're playing club cricket somewhere. Right. So that's one of the driving factors for me at that, that time at the academy where I've got a bad review for my revs per minute. And that's that's the receipt that I've kept in my mind for the last decade of my life. Is that something easy that you can you can improve as a leg spinner? Maybe it has, but I've still got – maybe it has naturally, but maybe I've, I've still got the perception that I'm not – a big spinner of the ball, but I don't really know who is in one day cricket these days. Like you, you, you bowl in the 10th over in ODI cricket or you bowl on the seventh over in T20 cricket and the ball's brand new basically. Yeah. And, you know, I've played with guys like Yuzi Chahal and seen him bowling glassy wickets and he's not a big turn of the ball, but he has the perception that he is. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Like, Obviously, I would probably spin the ball a hell of a lot more if I was bowling on a used SCG track in the 90s with a ball that was 45 overs old. Mm-hmm. So the game, the game's changed. Like I have so much respect for the guys that made a long career in wrist-spin bowling, like even Brad Hogg. Like, I remember uh, watching him in the BBL in my first years and his later years and thinking, I love this guy. I want to try and bowl like him. So me and me and Brad have done had have chatted a little bit and which was really good. But even he was like the first session I had a bowl with him, he was like, Right, so what's it like bowling with four out instead of five? And I was like, It's one fielder harder. <laughs> so He's um, on the ball, Hoggy. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's on he's on the ball. He sees it for what it is and um I like Brad Hogg for for that. But yeah, he's someone that I've tried to I'm, um, you know, hopefully driving to keep myself in this team and having a career like him because he's, you know, he was lucky enough to win a couple of world cups, which is probably the next thing on the agenda for, for us. Now we've got, we're talking a lot about having a great team and a great group and a great white ball team, particularly in T20 cricket. So the other thing is silverware. Now I think until cricket Australia have that in their, in their cabinet, it's probably going to drive us to, to get to it. 
And Hoggy played till he was 45. You're 28, so you've got uh, half your career left to go. Uh, mate, I'm not playing till I'm 45. No chance. <laughs> you, spoke, you said you've spoken to, to Brad a fair bit. Are there other spinners that you've um, tapped on the shoulder throughout your, your career to try and get some tips about spin bowling? I think there's always a little bit you can get from each of them. You know, obviously, Warney is there. Stuart McGill has been a great supporter of mine from a young age and, and still is. Yeah, I just think there's little bits you can you can take from them. But to be honest with you, like the the best learning curve is just playing and learning on the spot. I'm, I've been really lucky that I've played for the Melbourne Stars and now, you know, on particular, in particular, on this tour, I've got him here as well. We've got Trent Woodhill, who has been my mentor since I was 14 or 15. So that's you know almost 14 or 15 years ago now. And he's seen my action evolve from what it was to what it is now and being able to, to help me through a few things. So, um, yeah, there's been a few people that have helped me out. But I try to think that I know that it's just from playing a lot and putting yourself in different scenarios and situations and getting through them, that's what gives you the most confidence. And you're one of these guys, uh, probably in the same boat as a, as a Glenn Maxwell or Aaron Finch, as a white boy in Cambridge, as a, as a white ball player for Australia, you don't get a lot of time to go back to domestic level and play shield cricket, long form cricket. How do you go about juggling that and then your, your dreams to, to play for Australia at test match level? Very, very good question. Don't know how juggles very good, very good way to put it. Last time I played first class cricket was before, not before this BBL that just finished, the one before that. So at the Wacker, yeah, at the Wacker. So, yeah. so tough, tough. Alex, I haven't gotten into him about it too much, but Alex Carey bowled me one over in the second innings as well. So that's my last experience of of first class cricket. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, you would never give up playing for Australia. So I would never give up white ball tours to get shield cricket to maybe play test cricket. I want to play as much white ball cricket for Australia as possible. You know, when we get back from this tour, there's one shield game I'm available for before IPL, which is in Hobart, which I've never played at anyway, plus Nathan Lyon, is around playing for New South Wales. So there's those all those situations that don't really work out and you kind of have to juggle. But the thing is, like, you know, I'll get back, I'll play the one-dayers for New South Wales, go and experience the IPL again, which is one of the most – it's one of the hardest competitions in the world. You, you learn so much from those competitions, even if you're not playing. And, yeah, I just, like, hopefully – I feel like – I've evolved enough as a person, evolved enough as a cricketer to hopefully keep building this career that I've that I've made for myself. And then one day, you know, I'll have respectable enough numbers in ODI cricket. I've played a bit more shield cricket for New South Wales and, and done well there. And it'll be like, well, Zamps, we think's done enough. But who knows? Like, and maybe that won't happen, maybe it will. But I'll never give up any white ball cricket for Australia because it's... It's too fun. It's what I feel like I'm good at. I feel like I'm getting better at. And I feel like it's, you know, I've played enough now where it's almost, it's my baby. I want us to win series, do well and, and win silverware. Yeah. And you talk about uh, Nathan Lyon there. If you were to play a test match in the next probably five years, 
you'd have to play it alongside Nathan Lyon, probably in, in Asian conditions. And over there, the pitches help a bowl like you because uh, a player doesn't spin it a whole lot. Those pitches are conducive to spin and it's normally the straight ones that get the wickets anyway. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe that's where it's headed, you know, like it might be the fact that we want a guy that can attack the stumps and get a little bit of spin and get a little bit of bounce over the top. Maybe that will work well with the way that Nathan Lyon bowls. So one of the reasons why I moved back home to New South Wales too was to hopefully get that opportunity where we're both playing on a spinning wicket at the SCG and I can work that out and we kind of build that rapport. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably the way, my way into it. But as, as I said to you, it's going to be, it is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard to juggle, but we'll get there. And last one before we quiz you about your international career to date. Any other goals? Uh, is is 200 matches a goal? Is there a set number of wickets? Uh, is there, you, know, you talked about silverware. Are there certain uh, goalposts you want to try and get to? I think silverware would be the obvious one. Um, you know, particularly me, I'm not... I think you know, I've won one T20 tournament for Essex Eagles. The other ones I've come second in. I've come second in every single tournament. BBL three times, IPL, CPL, Byron Bay PL. You're the bridesmaid. I've come. I'm the bridesmaid. I've come. I've come second in them all. So yeah, to hold up some silverware and experience that would probably be the most important. Like my main focus for the Australian team. Like we've got those two T20 World Cups coming up, and we've got a We've got a great team, particularly you know when we're at full strength and the depth that we've got in our squads. I think we can give them a bit of a shake. But on a personal front, personal point of view, like yeah, it's it actually the milestone that's coming up. It actually it's hit me a little bit in the face. Like wow, a hundred games for my country. So you know, looking at looking at the amount of games I've played, there's a hundred ODIs coming up in probably a couple of years. And but yeah. As I said to you, 2016, 2017, when I was 23, 24, and you tried to make sure you didn't look too far ahead and that worked. So that's what I'm doing now. I've got the next three games coming up. I've got IPL and I've got a few other opportunities to try and get better and and keep cementing my, my, my spot, I guess. All right. We will no longer look forward. We're going to look back at your previous <laughs> 99 games. Now, when you play, hopefully on Wednesday, uh, you're going to be the fourth Australian specialist spinner to play 100 internationals and uh, you're third to do it in, in limited overs cricket. Can you name the other the other three specialist spinners to play 100 games for Australia? Shane Warne. Yep. Brad Hogg. Yep. Nathan Lyon. He's on 100 test matches, so he automatically qualifies. Yes, that's right. Uh, Warney 338, Hogg 145, and Nathan Lyon 131. Now, your debut was at Wellington, Feb 6, 2016. Who was your first wicket? Kane Williamson. How'd you get him? Caught at cover. Who took the catch? Steve Smith. So far, so good. Finished with two <laughs> for two for fifty-seven from ten overs. Who was man of the match in that game? Man of the match in that game. Um, I'm going to say it was. I think I have two options in my head: Mitch Marsh or John Hastings. John Hastings. Mitch Marsh, two for thirty. Uh, 69 not out. That's right. They put on that big glass wicket stand. Oh well. Yeah. Match winning stand. Yeah. They uh, did. Your T20 debut was a little bit later on, like a couple of months, like a month later, against South Africa at Durban. I actually think I was there for that one. Who was your first T20 international wicket? God, this is a tough one. We played in South Africa, and then we went to the World Cup, and the first World Cup game was against 
New Zealand and I went number off one over. It was in like my fourth game. Was it against Bangladesh? Yes. Was it the wicketkeeper? It was Mohammed Mutan. Okay. <laughs> Caught Watson Great. for 23. You took three for 23 and you're named player of the match? Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that. He was my first wicket though. There you go. 2016 World Cup. I actually didn't realise that that was right at the start of your international career. I mean, so you got fourth game or third game you're playing in a World Cup. You also bowled one over for three in that game in Dharmashala and they took you off. Yeah. Bit stiff, bit stiff by Steve Smith. Smithy, yeah. Yeah, still filthy at him. <laughs> uh, you've taken 132 international wickets. 23 of them have been the number four batter. How many batters have you got out without scoring? Oh, probably not many. This is a tough one. So ballpark area, but you know. Oh, two? Nine. Nine? Yeah, it's almost 10%. Yeah, get him in early. Get him with a good wrong and get, get him with the flipper. <laughs> the flipper. Do you actually have a flipper or some variation no. of it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 77 caught, 19 bowled. 24 leg before and 12 stamped. Uh, your most prolific series was the one you talked about earlier. 11 wickets yeah, against be, India. Must be hard to get stumpings when you don't spin the ball. I think they've uh, they've played for the spin. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. All the, a lot of leg side wides down there. Um, shot yeah. them down, down the leg side. <laughs> uh, that 2019 series, you took 11 wickets against India in that five-match series. Australia coming from uh, two love down, which is where you find yourself now against New Zealand. What? Well, I know we're talking about the stats and stuff, but how was that series? Because I remember being over there. That was full on. Australia, no one gave Australia a chance on that tour. Um, big guns still weren't there. Smith and Warner still weren't there. Uh, came from nowhere to win the T20 series. 2-0. I think Maxi got 100 in the second game. So that was, wasn't was quite as close. Because there was the, the Cummins yeah. and Richardson partnership. Got fought in off the last over to win one of them from nowhere. Uh, and then... Lost at first two games. It was a world record run chase. Blitzed them in the end. Um, and I remember you guys talking. We had Zoinus on the podcast at that point, and you guys were saying what a relaxed feeler it was around the camp at that point. What were your memories of that tour? Yeah, it was one of. The, it's definitely the greatest series win that I've been involved in. It's probably a little bit how we're feeling now. Obviously, in this series, we're two 0 down, and you kind of you wake up a little bit flatter knowing what's ahead of you, you, you know that the pressure's on you basically every moment of the game now. Um, there's one stuff up, that's the end of the series. Um, so to be in that position in India, in against India, in India, with a full-strength team, it's a daunting thing to think about. But we, yeah, just knocked off one game after the other. Like, we were just, all right, that third game... We played amazingly well. The fourth game, we we actually bowled okay and went the journey and we were, we were like, let's get them. Yep. We got them. And yeah, I don't know. The, the fourth game was a write-off. Like we were always going to win it. Yeah, that's right. Um, fifth, the fifth game. Fifth game. Fifth game was a write-off. We were always going to win it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, and then the feeling afterwards when winning that series leading into another one against Pakistan, a depleted Pakistan, we felt like we were 
you know, a very good chance of winning that, which we we did. So um, we had a good little run there of ODI cricket leading into the World Cup. But yeah, that that series against India and India is the is definitely the most memorable one for me. Uh, what's it about playing India? Because you've played 27 matches against India, the most uh, you've played against another nation. 36 wickets. Uh, this is across both formats. Uh, what what does it mean to you to perform against India, particularly in India, against batters who are regarded as the best players that's been bowling in the world? Yeah, we um, we tend to play against India and England and those teams a lot for some reason. So yep. you can never let your hair down. But um, yeah, if I had to say the one thing that means the most to myself about my career so far, it would be having success against India just because not many people have done it, particularly in one day cricket. You go over there, the scores are higher, spinners get played well, they go the journey. So you always turn up knowing that you're under pressure. So yeah, I think I've got like 19 or 20 ODI wickets just in India. So those ones in particular are the ones where I've, because I always felt under pressure for either my spot in the team, uh, the team was under pressure, or I was bowling in big moments and I got through them all. So I was like, that's like looking back now at my short career so far, that's probably the, one, the ones that I'm like the proudest of myself. Your most prolific venue is the SCG with 18 wickets and 11 matches. What's the second most prolific? Old Trafford. Correct. Ten and three matches. <laughs> what about it is uh, Old Trafford is a spinner's wicket. I mean, as far as English wickets go, but what about Old Trafford it seems to work for you? Yeah, it was slow and low and um, the English put you under pressure as a spinner. They're, they're one of those teams where they have, I don't think they have any rules against spin. They just go out and try and smack it. So I think my first wicket in that series was Owen Morgan who just hit kind of a shortish ball to mid-wicket and which is sometimes a bit lucky but um, got away with one and then bowled well for the rest of the series and was on slow, low wickets and luckily bowled some good overs as well so yeah, I don't know, it was a really nice nice series, that was, a, that was a hell of a series win too actually, I hate to compare the one that we won in India but that was a that was a bloody good feeling too, beating England in England. How about uh, in most dismissals, Alex Carey, the Globeman, eight catches, four of those league side stumpings. And, uh, but who's taken the most catches off you as a fielder? I feel like it's Aaron Finch. Correct, with 11 catches. And then next would be Steve Smith. I'll take a word for it. Don't have that information in front of me ah, right now. Right, okay. How about, how about your 50th wicket? In international career? Yeah. No, no idea. Hardik Pandya caught James Faulkner, 2017 in Chennai. 100th wicket, probably no idea. No idea. Kakiso Rabada, bold, <laughs> February 2020. Right, right. Over there. It's legendary. Everybody knows that you've dismissed Virat Kohli seven times in international cricket. We all know that. Everyone knows that. You've got Rohit Sharma five times, KL Rahul, Hardik Pandya four times, and one other batter four times. Not Indian. Who is it? This is difficult. Morgan. No. No. No idea. Owen Morgan. Oh, there you go. You mentioned him. But yeah, I mentioned Owen his name. And yeah. he's a lefty too. Yeah, lefty. So much for matchups. <laughs> 27 games against India, 36 wickets. 
uh, who's your next most uh, prolific opponent? Who's the one you've taken the most wickets against, second most wickets against? We only play against a few nations. We don't get to play against them all. Should be a couple of easy options then. <gasps> it might be Pakistan. Sri Lanka, 12 matches, 23 wickets at 15. Yeah. There you go. And as we mentioned, as we mentioned before, your best years, 2016, 2017, 39, and 38 wickets, respectively. Um, that's your career summed up with some numbers, seems, but obviously your numbers don't tell the whole story. Yeah, now you know what your 50 and 100th wickets are. You're 132, so 18 away from 150. I'm sure you'll make a note of that when it happens. I'll get there. Also, I didn't know I was only the fourth person to, to reach 100 internationals. Spinner. It's, uh, I find that quite alarming too. Like Not alarming, but you know, interesting that uh, there hasn't been more. Do you think like, I thought maybe Nathan Horrocks might have got there. He played a lot of cricket. Um, yeah. After Warney, uh, you know, Stuart McGill didn't play a whole lot of white ball cricket. There were no T20s when he was around. He played 50-odd test matches. But uh, yeah, to play 100 yeah. games as a special spinner for Australia um, you know, in conditions that don't normally suit Spin bowling. You mentioned that 2015 World Cup. Xavier Doherty played one game. Maxi was a spinner for the rest of it. Yeah. It's an interesting stat that I thought it would be more than four. Nathan Horitz, I thought, would definitely be there. Yeah. There's a lot of part-timers like Andrew Simons, you know, Bevan, but he's a batter. Mm. Yeah. Some of the guys that, that bowl the occasional left arm is Darren Lehman, but uh, they're, not yeah. really, they're not picked for their spin bowling, are they? No. No, it's an interesting stat. Yeah. All right. We'll finish off just very quickly because the Marsh Sheffield Shield and Marsh Monday Cup are ongoing. You can catch all those games live streamed at cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. And there was an absolute thriller at the Wacker last week. Your former team, the Redbacks, falling just short of what would have been an epic Shield victory. Uh, did you see that last ball delivered by Chad Sayers that felt agonizingly short of the fielders? I have seen it, Fez. Yes. Poor Redbacks. Um, yeah, oh, I don't know. It's it's they, they needed the win again, the boys. But um, I don't know where's the short point. Mm-hmm. Hetty, Hetty was standing at the batsman's feet, and there was no one behind him in case it popped up. So Hetty's going to have to get that one right next game. I'll get. I'll make sure I get into him about it. Get some more players in attacking positions. But um, at least it was a thriller. Like um, I feel like all the Shield games recently have been. Um, pretty decent games you you the way that the New South Wales Vic game was set up too was it looked like it could be a thriller but um the Vic showed some steel and, and got through that pretty well so um even Nathan Lyon when he took six for the other day the shield at the SCG that was a that could have been an exciting turnaround in that game too so there's been some some really good games to to make note of yep absolutely there's plenty to come and there's plenty of uh one day cup to come as well uh, Zamps thank you so much for your time mate. congrats on what has been a great career already with plenty more to come and good luck in your 100th game alright thanks Fez that's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast do not forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we'll be back next week but until then for all your breaking news live scores and video highlights head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.